Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Alive Active Shooter Survival Training Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Julian, and I am here with my co-host today, Mark Gillespie and Lawrence Borgens. How are you doing, guys? Hey, doing good. good. Uh, thanks for coming back. So unfortunately, um, we have an active shooter event to report on this week. Um, luckily, we have gone several of these podcasts with no new ones to report, but uh, we have a new one. Last Thursday on November 15th uh, at 7.38 a.m., the first report was received of an active shooter at the Saugus uh, High School in Santa Clarita, California. That's uh, North LA County. And apparently a 16-year-old student um, on his birthday went into school uh, with a 45 caliber handgun and um, opened fire killing two, critically wounding one who some reports said that that uh, student had died. But uh, looking back now, it appears that uh, there was three, three more wounded, but so according to news reports, it was two dead, three wounded, ages 14 and 15 years old. So uh, it's very, very sad situation. Um, the FBI and local law enforcement were looking into the, the person. His name is Nathaniel Burhow. And uh, we don't show pictures and try not to say the person's name. But for this audience, um, we do reference those. Uh, those people from time to time. He shot himself uh, at the end of this 16-second event. 16 seconds it was over. That leaves potential victims very, very little time to react uh, to become safe. Um, FBI and law enforcement found that there were several guns at the house, some unregistered. Apparently, this young man's father, who's now deceased, um, does not say that he was involved in any way, um, uh, but uh, he was a hunter, so it's very likely that many of those guns were his father's. And uh, the killer um, shot himself in the head, but didn't die until the next day. So, um, you know, here we are again with another high school shooting. Um, and right now, uh, they don't know what the motive was. And, you know, they, it's said about the kid, there's nothing really that stands out about the shooter. Um, one of the, one of the teachers said, uh, he was, was not a loner. He was so, he wasn't socially awkward. He was involved in student activities. He was an athlete. So, Nobody saw it coming as far as we know. Now they're, they're going through the kids social media to see if there's any, you know, precursors or indicators that this was coming. But as of right now, this is not the, the typical textbook high school um, active shooter. A lot of times we see they are um, not always, but they are somehow felt persecuted, um, uh, marginalized, bullied, whatever. This this was a, for all intents and purposes, uh, thought to be a normal kid with probably normal issues, but he decided to act in a very, un, very not normal way, and it took the lives of two, two kids. So um, the good news is, um, as far as training goes, and that's why we, we like to highlight these these things 
is they had just had training about three weeks prior at the school. And one of the teachers said, because I had the training, my in instincts were good. Uh, if I, ha if I hadn't had the training, I don't know what would, what would have walked myself that I, that I would have walked myself through what I truly had done in that situation. It probably made a big difference. So that's why this training is so absolutely necessary. And, um, they said the school has got a 245 page safe school plan. Um, they call it lockdown. They said they, when they teach uh, teachers about active shooters, they use the term active shooter, but they don't refer to the training as active shooter training when it comes to the students. They call it lockdown training. And, you know, it talks about teachers ensuring that all the students are accounted for, all the doors must be secured, um, students are to be moved away from doors and windows. One thing that it says that concerns me, though, it says they should take cover under desks or tables. Now, we have seen in, in the video from Columbine, we have seen kids executed by the shooters because they were under tables because they could be seen from all directions except directly on top. Well, the shooter, the shooter's not going to be on top. They're going to walk in and they're going to see this way, not looking down. So there's really no concealment or cover. Um, you know, the Alive plan, especially when it comes to schools, talks about using hard corners. So if the, the, the shooter looks in through the window or even opens the door because they can and looks in briefly, they're not going to see the hard corner, which is the one that's out of sight where everyone should be hiding. But um, it does say that to use furniture to surround the group with everyone assuming a prone position on the floor away from the doors and windows. Uh, and then it goes on to say, no one leaves and no one enters. And that's obviously very tricky because if you've got a closed locked door and there's students trying to get in, you're essentially leaving them out and vulnerable. So that's really, you know, that's one of those tricky calls because it may save the kids on the inside, but if a kid on the outside gets shot because he couldn't get in, then you're faced with survivor's guilt and what should I have done and could I have saved them? But uh, you never know in each particular scenario until it happens what the best um, way to act is, whether you let them in um, or you don't let them in. So unfortunately, that's a, a call you have to make at the time um, that could be the right call or the wrong call. That none of, these, none of these events are exact sciences to how to react because there's so many different variables in each scenario. Hey, Mike. Uh one of the things I liked hearing about is that the uh, one of the articles quoted uh, that students arm themselves with scissors and chairs. So uh, violence is not the first uh, reaction in an active shooter, but it's definitely one of the uh, one of the elements in the live program. So it's good to see that they uh, took that step as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that these kids are are taught to be prepared to engage with violence. Um, unfortunately, some of the companies that we've spoken to that are considering the training, when they find out that violence is the V in Alive, they immediately go, oh, well, we don't, we have a culture that does not acknowledge violence and we don't want to talk about violence and we don't use the word violence. But, you know, violence is, when it's at your doorstep, when it's looking you in the eye because someone's trying to kill you, if that's your only option to stay alive, then 
you can't ignore it and you can't dismiss it as, or say, oh, it's not something we want in our culture. It's fine if you don't want to bring violence into your culture, but if someone else brings violence into your culture, you need to be able to react with violence. So, you know, Mike, you, know, you mentioned you you had mentioned the word a minute ago about uh, lockdown. Uh, something just kind of sticks in my head a little bit about that word lockdown, and it kind of tells me a little bit about the mindset that law enforcement has with dealing with these incidents. Uh, the word picture in my mind is it's kind of like fish in a barrel. Um, so I don't, I kind of think at some point in time, we might even, I'm not saying it'll be next week, next month, a year from now, but that whole concept of lockdown could possibly even change. Um, because it, I, I think that kind of goes to the, the way they train these people just to stay put, cower down, hide under the table, lay flat. Um, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what your guys' feeling is about that, but um, that, that just kind of struck me. Well, I've always... When you, when you said lockdown. That's a great point, Mark. And, and you know, my initial reaction to lockdown is lockdown is something that you do if to keep the bad guy out. But if he's already in, then this is one of those times when you need to make a judgment call and say, okay, locking down is the appropriate thing to do. But you know, what if uh, getting out, you know, unlocking and, and moving to a safe area is appropriate. The, the problem that we face as trainers, uh, as potential victims is there's just, there is no one solution to this problem. You can't say, here's the training. Uh, there, there is no cookie cutter way to go about this that is, you know, easily consumable for the, for the public because there's so many different scenarios. Um, clearly, if somebody's got a knife, uh, you know, a door locking down and staying there until law enforcement arrives is great. But if somebody's got explosives or fire, uh, locking down may not be effective. Locking down is one of the tools in our tool bag that we would use to survive one of these situations in the situation where locking down is appropriate, but it's not always going to work. But since, since training is not mandatory, the appropriate training and training for all different scenarios is not yet mandatory. Um, they try and they've tried to do a quick, easy little package of this is how you survive. And it, it's understandable. It's nobody's fault. Um, because if the training's not mandatory, then they want to give something, anything run, hide, fight was a great, perfect, a great first version right. of something because it's, it's something which is better than nothing. But now we've evolved to realize as a society that this training is so necessary. We need to step up our game with what we train, uh, and be more specific because the one little cookie cutter, uh, solution is not going to work for everything. Mike, uh, let me uh, answer Mark's question or, you know, comment on what Mark said as well. The, the L in the Alive program does not stand for lockdown. No. It stands for lead. Right. Yep. <laughs> and impede is, is one of the options and, uh, and it's a good one, but, um, but 
locking down, there's two things you pointed out there. One is, is their plan is called a lockdown plan. And so you pointing that out, it, it speaks to their mindset, the mindset of the law or, or, you know, whoever, whoever developed the plan. We don't know if it's uh, the school uh, police department or, or the local law enforcement or, or just the school district themselves. Uh, but it sounds like based on what we know about active shooters and whatnot, that this is an old uh, doctrine. The other thing that, that points to it being an old doctrine is the hiding under desk and tables thing. That, you know, absolutely the wrong thing to do. Uh, you know, Mike pointed out hiding on the, the door side wall in one of the corners is the best place to be. Um, at least, at least these people, uh, did the, the, that were in, in quote unquote lockdown, they, they armed themselves. So that was uh, a good move, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right in pointing out that, uh, the mindset of the people who created the plan and the people that are now following the plan is maybe it was a great first plan when it was developed, who knows how long ago, that sort of thing. But, uh, today, today it's a, it needs to be a different plan. They need to be okay. I, I'm going to guess, and, and I'm not a school administrator, uh, and I'm not, you know, responsible for hundreds of kids coming to school or anything like that. But I think that one of the things that would hold a, a school district back from, from having a doctrine of, uh, leaving and running, which is absolutely, <laughs> what uh what you know needs to be one of the options is that when the parents drop the kids off at the school the school is expected to have positive control of those kids and accountability of those kids during the time that they're at school and so they don't want them just running off a of campus and running away even though that might be the safest place for them to go then the then people are going to come and say you let the kids just run off you know that sort of a thing so I imagine that that's probably something that goes through the mind of a school district when they're sure. uh, trying to determine their doctrine. Sure. And, and, but what about, you know, if you just focus on lockdown, if, if your solution is, Hey kids, we're going to teach you lockdown thinking that that's going to be the best option. What about when like at the um, high school in Colorado and the college in South Carolina this year, when nobody knew there was an active shooter until they walked into the classroom and started shooting. And those kids, the reason that there was not a higher body count, I believe there was one kid that died in each one of those shootings. And yes, it was the person closest to them or nearest nearby that actually rushed and attacked the shooter and took them down. They had both in both instances, uh, sadly, those two male students were shot and they did die. But because of their actions, other kids then followed and there was not a higher body count. The, the shooter was taken down, taken down with, uh, with one casualty in each situation. And the other students, because they had been trained appropriately and or uh, the, the two uh, sheepdog personality young men that attacked the shooter did what they needed to do under the circumstances and saved multiple lives. If, if these kids had done what so many other victims did, and that was just freeze in fear or drop to the ground and not move or whatever, instead of somebody engaging the attacker, 
the attacker would have been much more successful and killed many more people. So if you leave the violence portion out of this training, even for kids, high school kids, uh, they're not going to, they're not going to know. I have no, you know, there is no other option. The guy's going to, he's going to shoot me because he's right in front of me. They don't leave that, that door open. And, and I understand, I mean, you know, I, I've had many of my students ask, well, you know, what do I tell my elementary school kids? And I say, I, I don't believe at this point I am qualified um, to tell you or to tell young children that they need to attack a would-be or a killer if they're, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. I I don't know if that's the right thing for them to do. It might be if five, you know, eight-year-olds jump on an attacker because they can, but what happens if we tell them to attack the killer and then the killer is able to overcome them and shoots them all? Then you know, how do we feel? I mean, we don't know if that's the right thing to do. But I do know that not teaching the option and the the ability and the technique to engage and take down a killer, the way we teach in Alive, it's, you know, the first person, you know, controls the weapon trajectory. So if it does go off, it doesn't shoot anybody in the chest or head. And the second person tries to control the the assailant and then everybody else jumps on top of him after that. But lockdown is fine in some circumstances, in some areas of the event. But if somebody runs in and starts shooting, locking down is not going to be effective. Absolutely. The other other thing to point out about lockdown is that when you lock down the school, you're actually you know, the first step in, in the Alive program is to notify 911 to get the clock ticking on the 10 minutes to live. And when the cops show up, if the, if the whole school is locked out, you know, locked down and all the doors are closed and locked and the cops can't even get into the campus, how are they going to uh, protect the students there? And so that's one of the other things that has come up recently in, uh, in some of the training that we've looked at. Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. You know, when, when the, the beauty of this program, uh, and I think it, it what, it's what separates us from other training, is, is, is the acronym ALIVE. You look at what's, what establishes the foundation for this training. It's, it's the letter A, which is to assess. So that, that lays the foundation for, for how these people are going to react, live, or die. Because like in lockdown, there's really, you're restricted to a large degree. You're you're stuck with with alive and with assess, you're constantly thinking, looking, what's happening around me? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? You know, what's going on? And it's going to determine if you're going to leave, if you're going to implement violence, if you're going to impede, if, if, you know, if, if you're going to expose, you're always thinking based on that being taught about assessing the situation and deciding to act based on your assessment. Yeah. That's a really good point, Mark. Um, the assess portion, the first step in alive is to figure out well, do I lock down, which actually is right. the I, which is the impede, but 
um, you know, I think impeding is is a more grander or, or larger scope uh, perspective or or point in that in you impede them, maybe it's locking down that would impede them, um, but you impede them any way you can. So I just think that, I think that we may be failing people, students, workers, anybody, by pigeonholing them into a term like lockdown when that's only one option that may be effective. So if, you know, if I don't know anything and you teach me lockdown, I'm going to focus on just locking down. If I, if I, if, you know, if I'm taught impede them and that locking down is one of the ways you may do that, then I think, I think it gives, you know, the would be victim a little bit more liberty to use their brain and decide what the best way to go is. I think, I think we try and pigeonhole people with certain terms like lockdown um, because we feel like, I don't, not that we don't feel that they're, they're smart enough to make their own decision as to do A, B, or C. We just want to make it something that's, you know, easily rememberable or, you know, all encompassing, but it's not all encompassing. There are so many different options based on the scenarios. So I guess for a, a quick fix based on the fact that, you know, 10 years ago, people weren't taking the training. So we thought, well, let's give them a run, hide, fight real quick lockdown, you know, solution. But now that our society understands that, and we've seen, thank God for school, you know, school drills and teaching about active shooters, kids are starting to do things like attack the killer because they realize immediately there is no other choice. So they're either going to die doing nothing or they're going to die trying to survive by attacking the killer. But there's a good chance they're going to survive and probably save the lives of others around them. Um, if they do what they have to. And that's not with a victim mentality. That is with a survival mentality. Absolutely, Mike. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out is that uh, in the Alive program, impede is an active process. Lockdown is a passive process. And uh, we're empowering people to uh, make decisions to save their own life, to provide tra that training. And uh, lockdown just kind of implies that you're just going to sit there and wait for uh, somebody else to uh, come along and do something for you or for the situation to resolve itself. And that sounds like, I, we, I like that we're giving people something to do instead of just sitting there and. Looks like you froze. Oh. oh, nope. Maybe it was me. It says my internet connection is unstable. That's not good. Instability is not a good thing. <laughs> Sorry, Lawrence, I didn't mean to interrupt. No problem. I was done. Uh, but you're, you're right that it's a much more nuanced thing than just to provide a option A, B, or C. And under, uh, um, under impede, we give them a lot of options. And yeah. I think that's a good thing. I want to go back to the incident for just a second. Uh, something else I noticed in my notes, um, something that happened that is so common and during this event the shooter's weapon jammed now he was able to clear it obviously this only lasted 16 seconds so he was able to clear it uh, rather quickly apparently but i want to make sure that the viewers know that this is a very very frequent occurrence in these active assailant events most of these assailants most of these perpetrators are not 
highly skilled with weapons. Now, this kid grew up with a dad that hunted, so he'd probably fired weapons before he knew how to clear a jam. But in many situations, like with with uh, James Holmes in the Aurora a movie theater shooting in Littleton, in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado, uh, the gun jammed and witnesses said that it seemed like it took 30 seconds for him to clear the jam. That is an opportunity that you should take if you're nearby or feel that you are close enough by. If the weapon jams, that is your opportunity to go after the killer. Uh, or when he runs out of ammunition and has to reload. You know, most of these guys are not highly efficient with reloading their weapons, so it might take them, and they're under stress, so they might, you know, reach and not know where it is right away, and, you know, that's not always the case. Some of these guys, the uh, the guy in Thousand Oaks at the, at the Borderline Bar was a former Marine, I believe, and so he was very proficient with weapons, but this is not usually the case. So in your survival mindset process, you need to be thinking, not I'm going to die. I'm never going to see my children again. I'm not going to see my loved ones. My life is over. You need to be thinking, I am ready to act as soon as I have the opportunity. And when uh, a, a killer's weapon jams or they need to reload, that is an opportunity you need to be waiting for and prepared to act. And maybe it's not attacking them. Maybe that's when you're able to run out of the building. So I want to make it clear that the Alive program is not hyper-focused on attacking, not hyper-focused on violence. It is hyper-focused on survival. But we highlight the fact that sometimes engaging the killer and using violence against them is the best option for your survival. But again, when a jam happens or a reload happens, if you can get out, then you get out. But it's, it's, it's entirely uh, your decision as to how you're going to react at that moment. And most of the time, those decisions will be made subconsciously. You're going you're gonna to act in the way that your, your brain tells you to act, whether you want to or not. Um, I want to also spot or bring up one more thing. I have been seeing a lot of articles lately because we get these Google alerts every day about active shooters. There, the, the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month for our media um, is right now talking about the downside of active shooter training. So the LA Times two days after that shooting came out with uh, an article and the headline is some fear active shooter training at schools can bring its own forms of trauma. So we've talked about this in, in past uh, podcast discussions. Uh, you know, training, active shooter survival training done right is absolutely essential for every citizen of this country to have. But yes, active shooter training done wrong can be a negative. It can be a detriment. So in the Alive program, we talk about the fact, I say, I would never uh, throw a baseball at your face before I taught you how to catch it. This training, uh, it, may, it may be traumatic to, to some people, no matter what, just because of the subject matter. It's the difference between the trauma that they get affecting their ability to survive an active shooter event. And if the training is traumatic to the point where 
um, you know, they're scared to death because someone rushes into their classroom un, unannounced and acts like an active shooter to get their response or to let them know or whatever. That's just foolish and irresponsible. And it can cause, it can cause tr a tra traumatic psychological effect uh, in that person because it might scare them so bad that if a month or a year down the road, it actually does happen, they immediately go back to that place of fear and paralysis because of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, PTSD that was created, created instead of going into a survival mindset. So, you know, at, at Alive, our belief is that the trainings should be done consciously. Everyone should know it's happening. All of the uh, students, for lack of a better term, that are, will be trained, law enforcement, teachers, uh, if you're going to do it at a workplace, make sure the people at the, you know, if you're in a building with multiple different offices and different businesses, everybody around knows that it's going to happen so that there's no mistaking it for an actual active shooter. Uh, but these trainings have got to be done res uh, responsibly because there have been situations where people have had heart attacks. Law enforcement was called by a nearby uh, business that didn't know it was a training and then they show up and take it very seriously. Um, now, now training schools are being sued by people uh, because of the trauma or the, um, you know, the, the negative effects of this training. So, and of course, um, our, our wonderful media has, um, has decided to use that as a, uh, something to, to grandstand and, and sensationalize. Uh, I've also seen, unfortunately, a lot of times recently, the media has been using the term active shooter in their headlines when it's absolutely not an active shooter event, but it gets attention. It gets readers because they're like, oh my God, here we are. Because it's a hot topic right now. I so, think that it'd be appropriate to do a, a rebuttal to that LA Times article because what it really boils down to is active shooter survival training done wrong is uh, a problem and could be traumatic and uh, create issues. But if you do it the right way, then uh, people are going to learn from it. And yeah. uh, I think it'd be a good idea to, um, to write something up that says basically just what you just now said about not, you know, you wouldn't throw a, a baseball at somebody's face without teaching them how to catch first. And that's a great metaphor for uh, what we're doing with the alive training. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely something that we should probably uh, uh, do an article or post or something about because it's true. It's just, uh, I don't know what, what goes through some of these guys' heads that decide to, you know, and I even let, we let people know in our, in our in-person presentations that it's not going to happen because I would rather you be focused on learning what we have to teach instead of scared and looking around waiting for this, you know, supposed gunman to come in and scare the hell out of everybody. I want them focused on, on, learning how to react and how to survive rather than being nervous about whether they're going to get scared or not. So anyway, unfortunately we've, you know, we've got another teenage high school shooter and we've got young people's lives taken way before they should be uh, senselessly. And this time it's by somebody who does not fit the mold. This person appeared by all intents and purposes and, and eyewitness accounts to be a relatively normal young man, but obviously he had some demons and lacked the coping skills to deal with, deal with them in a way that would not harm other people. Um, very, very sad. 
So anyway, the Alive uh, Active Shooter Survival Program, for our listeners that are interested in getting more information, the website is activeshootersurvivaltraining.com. Yes, it's a long one, activeshootersurvivaltraining.com. The in-person training, the uh, there's a one-hour and three-hour three hour online uh, course that can be taken from any computer anywhere. Uh, and then we've got an instructor certification course coming up January 24th and 25th, where we will be teaching another group of um, uh, professionals from around the country to teach the Alive program because we can't keep up with the demand, uh, which is good because people need to hear this stuff. They need to learn the right way to do it. And as the creator of the Alive program and a student of many other programs, I feel, and I think my co-host would agree, that it is probably the most effective and all-encompassing program um, out there. So uh, if uh, any listeners have any comments, we would love to hear from you. Please put comments in the uh, whatever vehicle you're uh, viewing or listening to the podcast on uh, so we can talk about them. I'm hoping that the next podcast, we will have uh, less real-life content as far as recent uh, active shooter events. And uh, I believe we're on impede or violence with the step that we will go over in, in the future podcast. Uh, if you're interested in seeing any of the other steps we've gone over, the, the prior podcasts have that information. So guys, do you have anything else? Nope. Sounds good. No, be safe. That's right. All right, gentlemen, as always, thank you for your time, your expertise and your input to help get the alive uh, message out to people so that we can continue to save more lives. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, in the next podcast. Have a great day.